0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, bonjour and welcome to the latest podcast on the Blood Red channel with me, Matt Addison. With at least another month until Liverpool are back in action, this is the special series of podcasts that we're running, giving you the lowdown on the players being linked with Liverpool ahead of the summer transfer window. After our Spanish podcast, which featured the likes of Ferran Torres of Valencia and Sevilla's Diego Carlos, and the German version with Timo Werner, Jadon Sancho, Mario Götze, and plenty more, this episode is all about the French League. Like in Spain and Germany, there are plenty of players being linked with a move to Anfield from League On for us to sift through. And so to speak about all of those rumours, I'm delighted to introduce French football expert and freelance football writer Tom Williams. Tom, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Blood Red Podcast. Thanks very much, Matt. My pleasure. Before we move on with the rest of the show, I think it would be remiss of us not to, to ask about the situation in France now in terms of the coronavirus. And firstly, Tom, forgetting football just for a second. I mean, where where are we up to in France with the outbreak? Are they in a similar period to what we're experiencing over here in the UK?
1: Basically, yes. Um, I mean, like a lot of um, the other major European nations, France went into lockdown uh, a little bit before we did. Um, they Confinement rules are a little bit uh, stricter than ours. In that, if you want to go out, you need to have a piece of paperwork with you, um, sort of justifying why you're out and about, where you're going, and what you're doing, uh, which, given France's love of paperwork is is no real surprise, um, and yeah, everyone is you know just sort of sitting tight, waiting it out the same the same way that we are here. Um, and yeah, in in terms of their their football situation, there are talks about when the season might resume. Um, the The hope is that they'll be back in action uh, around the middle of June, um, and they're hoping to complete the season uh, by uh, the beginning of August. Um, uh, been quite an interesting suggestion of late that that, that's come out a couple of the club presidents have suggested that the best course of action would be to basically take as long as it takes this year to finish the current season even if it takes till november december and then start next season at the beginning of next year um but yeah it's very similar boat to us in that everyone's on lockdown wants to be playing football again but has no idea when that's going to happen
0: yeah, it, it sounds like a similar situation then in terms of you know the the Premier League we understand are looking to resume by about June the 8th, something like that Liverpool perhaps in training next month and um, I think I can speak for everyone when I say I'm desperate to, to see some football back on our screens again even if those matches do take place without supporters in the stadium and of course we'll keep you up to date with all of the latest news right here on Blood Red and across the Liverpool Echo website but Tom we'll move on to the next section of the podcast the main reason we've brought you in is to to look at a few different players who've been linked with moves to Merseyside from France over the summer. Um, We're going to come to to Kylian Mbappe some point later in the show, of course, (laughs) a a big name that that plenty of Liverpool fans will want to hear about. But I want to start with uh, a couple of other players first. The the first of those really being Boubacare Sumare, and and hopefully I've pronounced that correctly, uh, from Lille, who's a a 21-year-old French youth international who plays as a holding midfielder, been linked with Newcastle United and Tom first of all what kind of player is he? Uh, He's a sort of classic uh, box-to-box
1: central midfielder um, in the sense that he's very good at everything between the two penalty areas um, but certainly in in an attacking sense doesn't offer all that much. Um, I think he's only scored once for Lille this season, I think he's only scored once for Lille in his entire time at the club. And he's been there since 2017. Uh, so he's not a goal scorer. Not much of a creator. Uh, but apart from that, a really complete central midfielder. Tall, strong, very quick. Great feet. Uh, loves a dribble. Very powerful. Um, you know, with an eye for a pass as well. is is a, a very progressive midfielder. Someone who... Who looks to you know to play passes through the lines? Who, who, who looks for uh, his centre forward as far as possible? Uh, and Lille have become basically a counter-attacking team over the last couple of seasons. under Christophe Galtier and and, and Sumare is is perfectly suited to that sort of setup. He's very quick. He's very physical. Very athletic. Um, and yeah, I think as as a consequence, he he's someone whose profile does look well suited to the Premier League. Um, I mean, you can probably. Compare him uh, in some respects to uh, Tiemue Bakayoko, uh, who obviously went to Chelsea uh, from Monaco uh, after winning the league at Monaco, and, and didn't have any success at Chelsea. But I, I think one um, one important difference between them is Sumare is, is much quicker, much more athletic than, than Bakayoko. Um, I think one of the problems Bakayoko has with, or one of the problems that he had was that he he struggled with the pace a little bit. And I think given Sumare's Physical attributes, um, I don't think that would be as, as big an issue for him.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I mentioned the, the, the possibility of him heading up to, to Newcastle United, and they've reportedly made a bid of about 35 or 40 million pounds or, or something along those lines in January. I mean, that was, of course, before reports emerged about them being potentially taken over and, and that sort of money coming into the club. So, does that sort of show the level that he's at at the moment? Do you think that's a, a fair valuation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suppose with the inevitable caveat that we have no idea how the current situation is going to uh, impact the, the transfer market. Um, but yeah, um, the, the reports in the French media were that Newcastle had bid about €45 million. Euros. Um, and yeah, I think, I think you know, given Sumaré's age and, and potential and, and, you know, the level that he's reached in the last couple of seasons, that feels like a, a fair price. Uh, he's not yet a full France international, which, you know, usually adds on at least another 10 and 15 20 million euros so i think i think 50 million euros is is about um, the sort of price that that leo will expect for him leo who obviously have a fantastic record of Um, uh, you know, giving young players opportunities and then selling them on for, for massive profits. Um, So, yeah, I think, I think that's the sort of figure. And again, you know, very difficult to predict what's going to happen given the circumstances, but I I would have thought that a lot of the, a lot of the bigger clubs will be looking at him. There aren't that many players with, with that sort of profile um, who will be on the market. Um, And yeah, I I, I would have thought that, that there's probably going to be quite a lot of interest in him. I mean, already, uh, Gerard Lopez, the Lille president, in January was talking about the offers that they were getting from clubs in Italy and Spain. Jose Mourinho apparently is a big fan um, at Tottenham. Um, and again, as I said, a player who would appear to suit um, English football uh, because of his, uh, predominantly because of his physical qualities. So, yeah, I, I expect that if and when the transfer window does open, uh, there'll that, that, be a decent amount of interest in him.
0: Yeah, there were some reports a few weeks back that he'd maybe fallen out of favour a little bit at Lille and, and there was some sort of falling out. I don't know if you could you know, give us the, the latest on that and sort of fill us in on a few of those details.
1: Yeah, there was a bit of confusion about his contract status, basically, in that um, the word was put out that his contract uh, would expire this year. Um, so he would be able to leave as a free agent but in actual fact um, there was uh, a clause in his contract that was triggered by I think it was either the number of games he played or something like that and and that automatically extended his contract at Lille until 2022. Um, So actually, he's got two years left on his contract. And there was a bit of, there sounds like there's a bit of disagreement um, behind the scenes uh, over that between him and his entourage and the club. Um, And then in in January, I I think Lille were probably open to him leaving and going to Newcastle. Um, He turned it down um, and... Consequently, and after a bit of he he said, she said, he he ended up being dropped from the team uh, for, for a bunch of matches. Uh, I think he spent about four games on the bench. Uh, there was one game when he wasn't even included in the squad. Um, and this is sort of going back to kind of beginning of February, uh, mid-February. Uh, but then they appeared to sort it out. Uh, he gave an interview to the club website, said he was very committed to the Lille project, and then he came back into the team. So that appears to be behind him. Um, I mean, I I think it's just a sign that, you know, that Lille know that he is um, one of their most bankable assets currently um, you know, he knows that he'll be leaving sooner rather than later, and I think, I think, I think what happened during that period was just a reflection of the kind of the jostling for position that's already taking place between a club who want to sell a player who knows he's going to be sold, uh, and everyone making sure that when that does go through, it's the best deal for all parties.
0: Do you think uh, he'd be suited to the Premier League, and, and perhaps more importantly, do you think he'd be suited to playing for a, a Jurgen Klopp team? Do you think that sort of style of play would would fit in with the way that Liverpool play? Yeah, I think so. In the sense that, as I said,
1: I mean, in terms of his 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 pace and his strength and his confidence on the ball, he he would appear to be a, a Jurgen Klopp kind of player. Uh, I mean, I think that the one thing, the one potential red flag that I'd raise looking at it from a Liverpool perspective is that I think to sign Sumare would, would basically be tantamount to an admission that buying Nabi Keita hadn't worked. Um, he's quite a similar sort of player to Keita operates in a similar part of the pitch, does a similar job. Obviously, you know, we're all still waiting for Keita to really, um, you know, announce himself at Liverpool, although there have been, uh, you know, lots of signs of promise. So I, I, Personally, I I can't really see the sense in um, in having both players on the books at the same time. But yeah, if if, if it's purely a case of looking at his skill set and is he the sort of player who who could play under Klopp and who who Klopp would would enjoy working with, then I, I think he ticks those boxes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, really interesting that you mention he sort of resembles Naby Keita. We understand that, that Keita isn't likely to be let go from Liverpool, but if he is this summer, then perhaps Soumouré could be someone who, who came in and, and replaced him. But uh, yeah, certainly will be interesting to to see where he ends up and certainly a, a strong possibility, it seems, that it might be in England. But we'll move on to uh, another player now being linked with the Reds and it's another midfielder in Hussein Hour at Lyon. And again, hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. Yeah, no worries, you've known that excellent stuff it's uh, a player that lots of of French football experts are getting very very excited about so I'm glad that I got that pronunciation correct and you know it seems that he's been linked with with Liverpool with Manchester City in Spain and and various other countries as well he's definitely one that the Reds have been been watching and, and keeping an eye on along with with plenty of others I mean Tom why are people in France so excited about this young player
1: uh, I mean, he's a wonderful player, Awa. Uh, I have to admit he is, he is one of my favourite young players in world football at the moment. Just a, an immensely gifted, uh, very technical, creative midfielder. Uh, generally plays either on the left of a three um, or coming in off the left flank in a 4-2-3-1. In a um, just a, a great player to watch. Someone who, whose every touch um, is, is something to enjoy. Um, you know, two-footed, looks after the ball very well. Not a quick player, but but a player who is is so good technically and and so inventive that he, he's actually quite a capable dribbler. Um, and someone whose style of play um, reminds me a bit of Andres Iniesta. Obviously, he's you know he's nowhere near that level. This is not me making a direct comparison, but if if you imagine a sort of a slight. Um, very technical midfielder um who isn't super quick but has the pace the acceleration to to wriggle away from a couple of defenders then then that's something they have in common um he's also uh, increasingly uh, a goal scorer uh, he scored a beautiful goal against RB Leipzig in the Champions League group phase um in December uh, which helped Leon get into the last 16 he set up the goal um that uh, Luca Toussaint scored um, against Juventus in the last 16 that, that put Lyon 1-0 up um, at the halfway point of, of that tie, which is still waiting to be concluded. Uh, he scored the goal against Marseille uh, that took Lyon into the, the Coupe de France final. Um, so he's he's looking, I mean, he's already uh, surpassed his, his previous best goal-scoring tally uh, for Lyon, he's on nine goals in all competitions, um, and yeah, this will this will be his third full season as a first team player. So he looks like someone who's probably ready for the next move. Um, he is, he's you know without doubt Lyon's most most bankable asset. And, and as we've seen with you know the likes of Nabil Fakir and Alexandre Lacazette and all the rest of them in recent years, um, you know this is this is a tried and tested formula for Lyon when it comes to bringing in. Young players. Um, I mean, the, the one, the one thing that Alou doesn't yet have um, is uh, any uh, senior caps, international level. Uh, he's been capped at under nineteen level, under twenty one level. Uh, obviously, France have got an awful lot of uh, options in that area of the pitch. Um, but yeah, a really, really talented player. A player who is just a, an absolute treat to watch uh, because he's so classy. He's so elegant. Um, and, and someone who this season in particular has started to add goals and assists um, and and
0: game-changing performances to that. Yeah, he sounds like a, a really interesting prospect and I'm sure Liverpool will be keeping close tabs on him. I mean, if they were to, to make a move, they'd have to deal with Lyon's chief executive, Jean-Michel Aulas, again and they've had certain struggles with him in the past, but... Do you think there's an acceptance from from Leon's side of it that OR will move on at some stage, and it's it's probably going to be sooner rather than later? Yeah, um, I mean, Leon get to this point with all their young players, um, and
1: you know, I think you can compare them to uh, you know a team like Ajax in that respect. This has become their model in recent years, and. If Awa were to leave this year, they'd have got three full seasons out of him. You know, their fans have had the chance to en- to enjoy watching him and-, and to feel like they've played a part in his journey. Um, and, you know, Lyon as you say john michel Aulas is notorious for driving a hard bargain um, he's you know he's one of the best at, at that in in european football um but all of lyon's players have a price uh, you know last summer it was it was Tonga and who went to spurs um not all that successfully so far but um you know the feeling last summer was they'll sell one of the two but not both um, uh, it ended up being dombeli who left and Awa who stayed and lyon have since brought in other central midfielders, um, to to give them a bit more depth in that department. So, yeah, you know, the the expectation has been for for a little while now that that Aua would be the next one to go. Um, And again, with the caveat that who knows, you know, what the months ahead hold, um, I would have thought that if they get a a decent bid for him, probably sort of, again, 50, 60 million euros sort of kind of ballpark area, then,
0: then they'd probably be quite happy to sell. Yeah, it's going to be one to watch. I think over the next few years, and he doesn't turn 22 until June. Definitely a Champions League regular in future. You mentioned the huge price tag there. Do you think it's it's realistic for a club like Liverpool to be spending that sort of money on him? Obviously, coronavirus taken out of it for a second. Do you think you know t- there's going to be a long queue of teams? Is, is essentially what I'm asking for 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 this player during the summer, or do you think if Liverpool were to go for him, you know they might have a free run, if you like?
1: Yeah, again, I mean, you know, it's hard to say, isn't it, given the current situation? I mean, he is a player with a lot of admirers. Uh, when Leon played Man City in the Champions League uh, last season, uh, Pep Guardiola was, was spotted chatting to him after the game. He spoke about him in the press conference. He's, he's a real Guardiola sort of player. In that respect, and again, sort of go back to the comparison that I made with Iniesta. He is, you know, he's very much that type of footballer. Um, I I would have thought that there will be a decent amount of interest in him, Um, and I think because he has that 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 technical profile and that ability to move a team, um, you know, through into the 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 final third and and play those killer passes and and score those vital goals. I mean, you know, that those are players who do have a very high market value. so, yeah hard to, hard to predict how much interest there'll be but I, I think if 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 we do return to some kind of state of normality in the transfer window in the months ahead he is the sort of player who is going to attract a lot of attention but again you know if, if you're a player in in our shoes and you're looking at your next career move um you know you can't really get much better than Liverpool at the moment so you know certainly I'd I think if, if it did came down to a a bidding war, and and Liverpool were, were able to put the the money on the table. I think it's certainly the sort of club that he'd be he'd be attracted by.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, you mentioned Liverpool being right at the the peak of their powers at the moment, and I mentioned Kylian Mbappe before. It's time to to talk about him. I think it, it's it's fair to label him the dream signing. I think for most Liverpool fans, Tom, and we know that Jurgen Klopp is a big fan of him as well. Who isn't? But Anyone who was at Anfield when PSG came to Merseyside in the Champions League group stage last season would have seen with their own eyes just how good Kylian Mbappe is. I mean, first of all, Tom, what a player! Yeah,
1: um, it's uh, it's getting to the point with Mbappe that it's it's hard to it's hard to find the words to to describe how good he is. Um, and I, I, what's been interesting in the last few weeks of you know of, of confinement and us all sitting around trying to fill our time on. Twitter has been the number of kind of greatest 11s that he's appeared in. I mean, you'll have seen the Jamie Carragher World 11 Challenge, uh, which I think you know. I'm sure we've all had a go at at trying. And, and I was I was uh, yeah intrigued by the number of people who who picked Mbappe in their sort of world lifetime 11s. This is a guy who's still only 21. Um, you know, he's still finding his way in the sport. Um, and you know, it feels like. The, the predictions that have been made about him over the last few years are all sort of coming to fruition. You know, he does look like um, the the heir to the crown uh, uh, as the world's greatest player that, that Messi and Ronaldo were fought over over the last 10 years. And consequently, you know, there
0: is immense interest in, in where his next club is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I I mentioned that game in the Champions League when Liverpool faced him and everyone, I think, knew going into Anfield that night just how good he was. But for me, that was a a real eye-opener and he he would have only been, what, 19-20 at that Mm. moment in time. You could just see the talent that he is. Do you think he is the man to step up and and when Lionel Messi and and Cristiano Ronaldo maybe are, are past the peak of their powers, do you think he is the one for the next decade?
1: yeah, I mean, I, I
0: think he's he's in the best place
1: in the currently he's at a club where he's almost guaranteed to win things. He's guaranteed to start every game. Um, last season, he was the second highest goal scorer in Europe behind Lionel Messi. Um, and that was the first time that he'd got up into those kind of numbers. I think it was thirty nine goals in all competitions, thirty three in Ligue 1. Um he He was injured at the start of this season, so had a bit of a slower start to the season, but since then has has been back up at the sort of pace that he he hit last season. Um, and yeah, you, you look at him and you think, you know, he's already won countless trophies domestically. He's already won the World Cup. He's scored in the World Cup final. He's reached the, what is a peak for most footballers by the age of 21. Um, he's still improving. Um, I, I, think, I think what will determine Mbappe's future is, you know, that there is always an element of luck in it. You know, can he make sure that he is at the right club at the right time, you know, which club is going to give him the best guarantee of winning champions leagues, league titles over the next few years. You know, can he stay clear of injury? You know, he's a very, very intelligent guy. Um, So you suspect he's not likely to be distracted by anything off field. He's, he's not the sort of bloke who's going to be rushed into making a hasty decision. Um, So, yeah, currently everything is in place for him to, to to go on and have the career that I'm sure all football fans hope that he does have because he,
0: he is a, a once-a-generation talent. Yeah, you, you mentioned his intelligence and, and that's not just in a, a football sense but off the field as well and he, he seems to be someone who works incredibly hard, he, he keeps his focus and doesn't let the stardom and the hype get in the way and we've seen plenty of players over the years where that hasn't maybe been the case. Do you, do you think that sort of Underlines just you know a lot about his character almost you know off the field he's as determined as he is on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think it reflects the fact he had a very um, stable upbringing. Um, you know, his his parents made sure that he he worked hard at school. Um, he was, by all accounts, a pretty talented student. You know, a very bright guy. Um, and he, you know, he and his parents have 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 made very um, clear sighted. Uh, methodical decisions about his development the whole way through. Uh, the decision to go to Monaco when he did. Um, the decision to start applying pressure behind the scenes at Monaco when they felt he wasn't getting enough game time. Um, the decision not to go to Real Madrid when Real Madrid came in for him and instead to go to PSG, um, even though we know that he dreams of playing for Real Madrid one day. Um, so, you know, everything about him uh, just speaks to this, you know, this this very sensible uh, career plan that he seems to be following and you know and I think what we've seen in the last the last year or so has been his uh, you know we've seen him very consciously trying to kind of develop his brand and you know I, I hate talking about footballers as brands but sadly that's what they are these days and um, he he made sure that uh, he wasn't going to start giving interviews in English Um, until he was happy with his level of English. And then when he did finally start giving the interviews in English, he was speaking with, you know, complete fluency in in the very engaging, articulate way that he speaks when he speaks in French. And, uh, you know, last summer he he did various press junkets for Nike. You know, uh, he went to their, I think he was at their headquarters in Oregon at one point and, you know, meeting all the big basketball stars. And he spent a bit of time in the Far East doing a lot of promo stuff there. And he is you know, very kind of deliberately growing his his um, kind of international profile. Um, and again, that's just, I think, a reflection of the fact that he's someone who was very successfully compartmentalised all the different um, elements of a modern footballer's career. Um, and whether it's on the pitch, whether it's off the pitch, whether it's his PR, um, he, he's basically
0: flashing it out of the park in every, uh, in every domain. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels almost inevitable that one day he'll end up at, at Real Madrid, but... Liverpool, I think it's fair to say at this moment in time, are in a better position than the Spanish Giants, you know, financially and in terms of on field status as well. Is there any chance at all, do you think it could realistically happen and Mbappe could wear the Liverpool shirt at some point, whether that's this summer or another point later down the line? I mean, I'd love to be able to say
1: yes. I just, I honestly. Can't see it, Um, and I I completely understand the fact that Liverpool fans have, uh, you know, uh, started to entertain this idea because who wouldn't want to see a player like Mbappe playing for your club? I I think the difficulty is that Mbappe wants to go to Real Madrid. Mbappe will go to Real Madrid um, at some point. That is that is his sporting destiny. You know, bar misfortune striking either him or Madrid, that is what's going to happen. So, what the situation we're in currently is. I think both he, PSG, uh, his advisors, his family, and and Real Madrid are kind of just waiting for the tectonic plates to shift until that move feels inevitable. Um, you also have to factor in the Neymar situation. Uh, Neymar, although he was having a fantastic season prior to the, the lockdown, um, you know, has never been happy in Paris. Uh, we know that Barcelona still wants to bring him back. Lionel Messi still wants him. To go back to Barcelona, and I think you know if and when we get back to some sort of normality in the transfer window, um, that that will once again be um, the main focus of, of PSG's attention. If they were to lose Neymar in the next transfer window, whenever that might be, that would only make them doubly determined not to lose Mbappe. Uh, you think about what a coup it was for them to have signed both Neymar and Mbappe in the same summer transfer window back in 2017. How devastating it would be to lose them both. So I, I think if Neymar leaves, which is which is probably likely, uh, I think it would make them even more determined to hang on to Mbappe. Now, um, I, I think that the only way that, that Liverpool would would end up entering into that into that situation is if for some reason a move to Madrid became impossible. If Mbappe got to a point where he felt like he he won all he was going to win at PSG was ready to leave. And Madrid couldn't get him, whether because they couldn't afford it or because of some other circumstance. Then he might have to look at a, a, an alternative. Um, but then, if you were to buy him today, you'd be—you you wouldn't get much change out of what two hundred and fifty million quid. Um, and that value is only going to increase again, with a caveat that we don't know how uh, transfer fees are going to be impacted by the current situation. It, it may be the case that players are available. More cheaply than they would be otherwise, but in uh, in norm- normal circumstance, you know, Mbappe is on course to be the world's first three hundred million pound footballer, um, and so Liverpool would you know would have to triple their transfer record to get him. So much as I understand the the excitement, the thought of of Mbappe wearing Liverpool red generates among
0: Liverpool fans. I personally can't see it. No, I mean, it, it does seem unlikely when you sort of mention those figures there. there there's been some suggestion from, from certain outlets that, you know, Liverpool's kit deal with Nike could perhaps help their cause in the Mbappe chase. And Do you think there could be any truth in that at all? Or, or is that just maybe something convenient for for, gollop, go, uh, for gossip columns, I should say, to hint at?
1: I mean, it's the sort of thing that when that, when that kind of thing happens... Um, it's something that players will look on favourably. You know the fact that Neymar moved to PSG, um, a Nike club, made that deal more straightforward than had he gone to an Adidas club or a Puma club. But I don't think any leading player would consider that as a as a priority. And I, I also I, I don't see how, um, in terms of how the deal would be structured how Nike could insert themselves into that deal in, in any beneficial way um i mean you know, it would you know players like mbappe there's talk about you know brand uniformity when it comes to a player wanting to wear uh, a kit that matches his 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 boot sponsorship deal and that is something that the players and advisors do think about um, but not to the extent that it would it would um, have a concrete effect on which club they join. So, no, I I can't see that having any kind of influence.
0: No, it'll be interesting, certainly, to see where the Frenchman ends up, if indeed he does depart PSG at some stage, which you'd imagine will happen. But, He's not the only exciting young player coming through at the moment. We've mentioned a couple of them now already, but Dayo Upamecano as well. And again, hopefully the pronunciation being correct there. <laughs> I know he's not playing in League on. He's at RB Leipzig, of course, in the, the Bundesliga. But he is a rising star of French football and Liverpool's name has been mentioned as a potential destination at, at times. So I think we should quickly just touch on him. I mean, just from what you've seen of him, Tom, how good can he become? He looks like a
1: very... Complete modern centre back. Um, you know, tall, strong, very quick, uh, but also really good on the ball. Um, you know, quite, quite, um, quite good with his feet for a centre back. Uh, someone who enjoys carrying the ball out from the back, who backs himself to to throw an opposition forward off balance when they come to try and press him, and and look for a, a pass. Um, you know, that, that breaks the lines. Um, yeah, he, I was watching some footage of him um, the other day and he reminds me a bit of, of Sol Campbell uh, in the sense that you've got this alliance of both, uh, you know, physical strength and height, but also really impressive pace. Um, but, but then, you know, as you would expect from a player playing in his position in this day and age, someone who, who technically is much more accomplished than, than Campbell was Um much better on the ball. He, he's someone who who trusts himself, trusts his sense of anticipation quite a lot, and so will um you know come out from from the back four and attack the ball. Will come up and and you know let a, an opposition striker know he's there. In in time-honoured phrase, and I think that's the sort of thing that has occasionally caused him problems uh, in that he can be a little bit impetuous. But again, as you say. Only 21. Um, it's the sort of thing you would expect from a defender of that age. Um, but yeah, in terms of his his skill set, his profile, um, I, I can see why you know a lot of the English
0: clubs are looking at him. Yeah, Arsenal, of course, uh, amongst the teams, and, and Manchester City as well to be linked with him. And he's got a, a release clause of about 54 million pounds. Just a, a final, quick question on him: Do you do you think he'd be well suited to the Premier League, whether that's you know at Liverpool or, or elsewhere? Yeah, I think so. Uh, there was a piece about him
1: uh, in Lequipe this morning, um, as it happens. Him and, um, and Nordi Mukiele, one of his uh, one of his teammates at RB Leipzig, and uh, what they were basically saying was that it would be his preference to go to England. He thinks that it would suit him the best. And even though there's interest from clubs in Italy, uh, from the big Spanish clubs, possibly from Bayern Munich as well, uh, the suggestion is that it would be Meccano's preference. Uh, to go to England, Uh, one thing that that Lequitte raised was that he would not want to come in uh, as a sort of third choice or fourth choice centre-back. He'd be looking for first team football. So if he were to come to Liverpool, that would mean, I guess, you know, taking over ahead of Joe Gomez as, as Virgil van Dijk's partner. Is that something that Liverpool could offer him immediately? Perhaps not. Um, so, you know, so that's a potential fly in the ointment there. But yeah, certainly in terms of his his skill set as as a footballer, um, and in terms of you know his own thoughts about where his future lies, I suspect we will see him in the Premier League
0: sooner rather than later. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yes, yeah, certainly one to keep an eye on, that is for sure. Now, I mentioned Leon's chief executive, Jean-Michel Aulas, earlier. And just as a, a final point before we finish, I think it, it seems appropriate to check in on someone who was perhaps part of one of the most bizarre transfer sagas of all time in Nabil Fakir. Tom, are we any closer to finding out what actually happened with, with his Liverpool move breaking down? I'm not sure we're ever going to get complete clarity on that. I mean, you know, what
1: what appears to have happened is that, you know, the the, the structure of a deal was in place and at, at the last minute it fell through and, you know, there was suggestion that it was to do with his medical, to do with, you know, the, the feeder man's changing and, you know, there's there's been a lot of, um, uh, you know, uh, comments on both sides about why it didn't happen. Um, it, you know, it, it, I think it, it is destined to be a what if um, that, that both Liverpool and, and perhaps to an even greater extent, Nabil Fakir will just have to ponder over for the rest of his career. But um, yeah, he's you know he's in Spain now at Real Betis, and when he left Leon, I think there was a bit of surprise that he he didn't go to a, a slightly a slightly bigger club, you know, no disrespect to Real Betis, but the feeling was that, you know, this is a guy that belonged in the Champions League, a guy who'd won the World Cup with France um, and, and played quite a significant role in that. I think he came on as a substitute in practically every match um, and who had shown in his best moments at Lyon that, that you know, he was a potential world beater. Um, but I, th- I think Real Betis suits suits him in that in a, in a, it's, a, you know, they're a team that, that like playing football, He's playing regularly. Um, you know, he's scoring a decent amount of goals. He scored home and away against Barcelona in La Liga this season. He was on a, quite a good run of form actually before the the, um, the season went into lockdown over there. I think he had something like three assists and a couple of goals in in the five or six games uh, pre lockdown. Uh, so he's you know he's he's found his feet um, and
0: uh, yeah, looks finally to be putting that, that saga behind him. Yeah, as you say, it, it's took a little while for for him to find his feet. I mean, do you think Liverpool not dodged a bullet? That would be the the wrong sort of phrase. But do you think, obviously, with Michael Edwards's record at Liverpool, he's got this impeccable transfer market record over the past few seasons? Do you think Do you think this is a, a sort of another one that he almost inadvertently got right, and that it was a player that Liverpool didn't need, or, or do you think Nabil Fakir would have you know improved this Liverpool team and, and been a real big part of it? I mean, I'm a
1: huge fan of Fekir as a footballer. I mean, similar to our, you know, a very technical player who's great to watch and, you know, the sort of play you enjoy him just controlling the ball. You, you know, you enjoy just watching him, you know, strut around the pitch. Um, but you look at what Liverpool have achieved since that transfer fell through. It's hard to envisage how things could have got any better with Fekir. So clearly he wasn't a player who, who they really needed um, and also, you know, I remember thinking of this at the time, it was hard to see how he would have fitted into that team. Um, he, he's not a particularly dynamic player in terms of his physical attributes. He's not very quick. Um, he's quite a, quite a stocky player, quite a bulky player. Um, and when he was at Leon, he played all his best football uh, in the number 10 role. Uh, and he is the sort of player who does need to have a team built around him to a certain extent, uh, which, you know, is not... Uh, Jurgen Klopp's way of operating. Um, I think he. I think at best he probably would have ended up being a useful option off the bench, as he was for France at the 2018 World Cup. But uh, yeah, with hindsight, I um, uh, I, I struggle to to see how he could have come into the team and 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 really nailed down a starting place. Um, so in the end, it, it may be that it worked out best for both parties. He's obviously enjoying himself in Spain. You know, Liverpool pre-lockdown were having, you know, the best season in the club's history. Um, so, yeah, I think ultimately looking back now, it's it's worked out well uh, for both parties.
0: Yeah, we, we've mentioned obviously our before and now Nabil Fakir. Obviously, you've mentioned the word technical with both of those players and, and that sort of struck me as, uh, you know, being very much down the, the path of Felipe Coutinho, obviously a player that, that Jurgen Klopp had at Liverpool a long time ago. Do you think... You know, either one of those players, if they were to come to Liverpool, or or in Fikir's case, if he had have come to Liverpool, do you think they'd operate in a similar sort of position to Coutinho in that they don't really fit into that 4-3-3, but they're just sort of that good a player and that good technically, and you just have to sort of find a way to fit them in?
1: Yeah, I think Aouar falls into that bracket in that he he can play on the left of, of the midfield three, um, and and slightly further forward he doesn't have the pace to play as a true wide player similar to Coutinho um but is is best in a similar area of the pitch that sort of inside left channel um where he gets the ball onto his right foot and he has that sort of vista of the whole pitch and he can you know get into areas where he's beating players and put them passes into the box um i think i think Awa has a bit more versatility when it comes to his positioning than than Fekir does. Uh, Leon occasionally tried playing Fekir in a midfield three. and It didn't really work just because he doesn't have the the ability to um you know to put in the kind of defensive effort you need from a player in that sort of system and you know Fekir would occasionally play uh on the right in like a 4-2-3-1 but again not a very quick player, um, so it didn't suit him down to a ground. Down to the ground, um, I think he's someone you know more, more even than our more even than Coutinho, who needs to to be given a, a degree of freedom. Who needs to be in that number ten role, you know, sort of bossing things. And and maybe again, that's why things, you know, that's why he's suited to, to playing at Real Betis because they can offer him that sort of freedom. I don't think a, a truly elite club. Uh, necessarily would offer him that kind of freedom. So yeah, in terms of the Coutinho comparison, I think Aouar and Coutinho are quite similar. Um, I think I think here just because he is a little bit less versatile in terms of his positioning, would would require more upheaval
0: within a team to find a position for him that would work. Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, another Leon man in in Memphis, Depay, is one who's been linked with Liverpool in the past, but. We don't really see his name being linked with the Reds anymore. I mean, why is that? Has he had a, a poor season this year or, or do you think there's another reason? No, um, I think it's it's probably just because of his his position. Um, in that, you know,
1: if you are looking for a left-sided attacking player um, who likes cutting inside onto his right foot and getting in behind opposition defences and you've already got Sadio Mane, you don't need to look for any alternatives. But, I mean, pie. Prior to the the knee injury that he picked up in December, a really unfortunate ACL injury, was having um, his, the best career of his time at Lyon so far uh, in terms of his his goal return, uh, in terms of his performances, uh, he'd been turned into team captain and and, and seemed to be playing with a bit more maturity. And you know, I think I think one of the problems with Depay is that we all remember how badly things went for him at, at Man United, and at the same time, he's a guy who. You know, likes to talk himself up quite a lot, and and even when he wasn't um, ripping up trees at Lyon, he was talking about himself joining one of Europe's five or six biggest clubs and walking into the starting eleven. There's always been a slight disconnect between the player that Depay thinks he is and the player that he actually is. But I think in his defence, what we've seen this season it is, or, or what we were seeing prior to the um, prior to the coronavirus outbreak, was a player. You know, stepping up a level. Um, you know, becoming a, a, play, a guy who was scoring at a rate of almost a goal a game, who was being influential in big matches, who was having a positive impact on his teammates, and and then in terms of in terms of him being given the captaincy, there was there was an episode uh, during a game uh, in December uh, against I think it was the game against RB Leipzig in the Champions League, and Leon had just qualified for the last sixteen, and there had been this um, standoff between. Uh, a section of the Lyon support and uh, Marcelo, the Lyon centre-back, that had been rumbling on for weeks, uh, got very personal, very nasty. uh, And a fan uh, came onto the pitch with uh, a banner comparing uh, Marcelo to a donkey uh, and telling him to get out of the club as Lyon's players were celebrating the fact they'd qualified for the last 16. And Depay, seeing this happen, ran at the bloke, ripped the banner out of his hands, or at least tried to, uh, and made a really sort of courageous stand for his teammate um, and and then spoke uh, very well, I felt, after the game, uh, spoke out against what had happened, defended Marcelo, criticised the fans. And that, to me, was a sign that, that he might finally be arriving at, at, at some kind of maturity. I mean, he's, how old is he now? He's, what, 26. Um, so, you know, he, he should be. A mature footballer, but I think what we've seen from him in terms of his performances and in terms of how he how he's conducted himself suggests that you know he, he is maturing finally. Um, and I, I think that I think his hopes of of getting a move to a, a, a proper European glamour club um, were getting closer prior to this injury uh, and obviously prior to the um, to the coronavirus outbreak.
0: Yeah, it'll be, uh, be interesting to to see what he does. You mentioned that he's become a lot more mature and of course he was a, a player that, that Liverpool missed out on at, at one stage. Perhaps he could come to, back to the Premier League in future but I think that just about round, rounds us off for, for what we've got to cover for this podcast. So, thank you very much to Tom for joining me. Some really interesting insight from yourself and I'm sure the listeners will agree with that. Oh, thanks, Matt. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And thanks to you at home too for tuning in. We do hope you're keeping well and We're all praying that the football will be back sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, keep your eyes across the Liverpool Echo website for all of your updates. And if there are any players that we've discussed today that do end up moving to Anfield, you will know first right there. For now, though, that's all for your latest Blood Red podcast. We've plenty more lined up for you, including an Italian version of this mini-series of transfer specials to come next week. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and you will not miss a thing. Bye for now.